When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Whatever you celebrate. Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, the whole bit. Happy holidays, everyone. It is, uh, let's see, it's Monday. I don't even know what the date is on this uh, this here fine day, BC. What day is it? Oh, today's the 26th. The yeah, 26th. it's Boxing Day, Luke. It's Boxing, boxing. Oh, Day. Oh, that's right. It is Boxing Day, which means it's going to be a big day for the Premier League over for our friends in the UK. Uh, hi, everyone. Morning Combat. My name is Luke Thomas. One half of your hosting duo, I join you, of course, from the capital of Estados Unidos right here in Washington, D.C., joined by my chief, you know, I need to give you a new title, B.C., I'm going to call you Chief Antagonist. <laughs> I feel like that's a good way to describe you. How are you doing, B.C.? <laughs> Osama bin Campbell in the flesh. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, Merry you- Christmas to you. Right back at you, and uh, Merry Christmas, as you mentioned, and Happy Holidays to all our fine, amazing listeners. Hope you uh, were with the family. Hope you enjoyed it, and you know, unplugged from the stresses of regular life. Uh, in the space con- time continuum, we are recording this before the holidays, but you're getting this now on Boxing Day because we don't want to leave you hanging. I mean, I don't think our rivals, Luke, who come in second to us in the awards balloting are putting out a show today, but this ain't just one of those like coach Peters in high school, just roll out the ball so he can go down to the office and, you know, chart X's and O's for the football game that week and drink hooch. You better believe it. Uh, this is one of them where we're actually taking a serious glance at uh, what might go on in 2023 in the UFC and MMA in general. I'm talking about prediction time, Luke, and you love making predictions. So yes, let's I, predict I, things Tui. right? You know, let's, let's, <laughs> let, let's bang. Let's bang. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go by weight class and give you some predictions. Listen, we don't, I don't know what the hell is going to happen in 2023, but definitely some things we're watching, definitely some things that are on our mind. You can agree, you can disagree, you can comment below about who you thought was right or wrong or what your predictions are. We'd love to know, but just some things that are definitely on our mind. We're going to go from heavyweight on down in the men's side. Watching on YouTube, thumbs up. We appreciate that. Hit subscribe if you're new here. Again, Merry Christmas to you and all that good stuff. Of course, um, if you want to give us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening this on, that'd be so nice. We really appreciate that as well. We love all our podcast listeners. Always weirds me out when we see people and I meet them. They're like, yeah, I never watched the show. I only listen to the podcast. I know. I know. I'm, and they're like, yo, but I love Have You Seen This Shit? And you're like, that doesn't make it, sense. Yeah. I don't know how that's a thing, no. but apparently it's but a if thing. You, if you guys are wondering how many stars to give, five, okay? Grab it by the, the satchel, five stars, okay? Get a, get a full handful there. Thank you. Uh, and, of course, as a reminder, all that good stuff, Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce, morningcombat.store, all that good stuff. Don't forget, London, London, February 8th. We're going to be there. Get your tickets now, all that stuff. Uh, we'll put some information in the description box below and all that other oh, we stuff. Gotta, right, we, that- now that Appleton's coming, we got to look into what security measures they have there, Luke. Yeah, let's just make sure we get a nice big bouncer who can chuck him out on the street by this yeah. shirt collar. All right, BC, if you're ready, let's get this party started, yeah? 
Yeah, I mean, you're an ex-bouncer, but there's I don't know if there's such thing as that. But let's just get into the predictions, Luke, okay? You know? I don't think that there's the same amount of nobility in fighting in uh, the, the bars as opposed to the yeah. uh, the military. All right, BC, we're going to start with heavyweight prediction time. Now, I don't know if you want to go first. If not, I can go first. But I'm going to guess on this one we're probably not too far apart, at least in terms of who we're talking about. BC, what's your big 2023 prediction for the heavyweight division? I know you want me to have a John Jones prediction and it's like our old, our knee jack, knee jerk, knee jack. Wow. Our knee jerk reaction to, you know, what this division might look like next year. We're all waiting for John Jones's arrival, but don't forget the Francis Ngannou saga is just as important and, and uncertain. So here's my guess for 2023. Francis Ngannou does resign in time to make two big appearances. Mm. And Francis Ngannou finishes off the new year with knockouts over John Jones and Cyril gone in the rematch, which if that happened, by the way, he's your fighter of the year for 2023 and probably just stamped his ticket to hall of fame immortality. I mean, we're talking about something big here, but Luke, uh, we need to see him respond from the knee injury. Yes, but not out of the question that this predator, that this heavyweight 2.0 finds a way to figure out how to be as dangerous as he once was. This is possible. You know it is at the end of the day. Yeah, you know what's funny? I'm actually going to give you my prediction as well because they dovetail together, although mine was slightly different than yours. Mine was that John Jones fails to win the heavyweight title in 2023, which doesn't mean he won't win it eventually, which doesn't mean he won't win it at all. That's not really exactly what I'm saying. But the idea that he's going to come back in 2023 and then just take over at the very top of the division, of course, it is in play. As you know, we had a sit down with Chael Sonnen, who's been talking to Henry Cejudo, who's been training with him, and they think it's just a foregone conclusion. It could be. But as we've discussed previously, a long, long, long time off changing weight classes, obviously changing his body to make the weight class better. And those are all, in many ways, not bad things, right? They're not bad that he's doing that. Actually, it's pretty good. But I still just this this automatic coronation that we sort of talk about with him, I feel like is overstated. Let me pitch it back to you a little bit here. What gives you such confidence that Francis is going to be in doing this well after a time off for him B knee surgery? And also, he's not a spring chicken anymore either because he has next freaking level mental toughness that was on display in one of the greatest, you know, fairy tale victories move over. Couture, you know, decisioning Tim Sylvia like this was heroic shit. What he did against Cyril Gan, that doesn't automatically mean the knee just recovers fully and we're back. But that 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 goes hand in hand with his contract. So if this happens, that he comes back, Luke, he will have won some level of respect. I know some people say BC, you're off on this Francis thing because what he really wants at the end of the day is freedom more than anything else. He's not going to sign that contract with the UFC unless he gets some strong percentage of exactly what he's looking for money respect freedom combination but he's going to get it i believe because this is you know at the end of the day this is the direction he should go for history for uh, all of that you know as a fan now personally he can do whatever he wants but if he does that luke i still hold firm on this i believe john jones is going to be great at heavyweight but i do believe the francis and that i saw knock out stipe with a jab and just looked scary as shit and then the mental toughness I showed changing his game and wrestling against Cyril Gaon, I saw, excuse me, uh, I just believe that he comes back healthy. He still has a window of his prime, heavyweights, age late, all that good stuff where, dude, I mean, when he finds you, it's over. I mean, it really is, Luke, especially now that he's much better than he was in the first Stipe fight and so much more confident. 
This is not a slam dunk. This is a guess, a hope in some ways, a big prediction by me. But I, but you do know at the end of the day, if if that injury was just time off and it healed, he you know he can knock out anybody at any time. And I think his skill is only getting better along the way. So I think Jones beats everybody but him. How about that, mm. Luke? How mm. about that? Okay. Maybe, I'm not, I don't think I'm too far apart. I, I think there's a lot of fights that John Jones really does win in the heavyweight division, quite candidly. Um, but for some reason, man, I can't quite cross that threshold like you, that he's just going to go over there and beat the shit out of Francis and then take it. I mean, again, he might do that in a round, and then we're going to have to eat crow. But um, I, I, I'll believe it when I see it, I think is the way that I would put that. BC, anything else in the division you're watching? I, I'll give you an example. There's two more things I'm paying attention to. One is UFC related. Here's something I'm watching in 2023. Not, not, not necessarily predicting because I don't really know exactly how it's going to go. But here's someone I got my eye on. How about Alexander Romanov? Alexander Romanov, not, not that I think just 32 years old, which for heavyweight is not very old. He's got five fights in the UFC. He's won them all, especially his last two over Jared Vandera and then Chase Sherman. This dude is, they call him King Kong. He's all over the takedowns. He's got high amplitude ones. Good ground and pound, good riding. He's faced some good opponents as well. Folks sleep on the fact that he beat Juan Espino. That's a really good win. Uh, I, I I like what he's got. Also, I'll say this, VC, for one championship, Bouchesha, probably one of the very best heavyweight uh, grapplers ever, probably the best current grappler in all of MMA. I think that's pretty fair to say. Um, he's in with one. I think he'll be fighting contenders by the end of the year, maybe even for a title. What about you? Uh, great call on Romanoff, by the way, dude. It's going to be hard. to. It's going to be interesting to see what is that ceiling. Does he just push right through it? Uh, I think Curtis Blades finally comes around and has his moment. So to me, what does his moment mm. mean? Getting to the level where he is the number one contender at heavyweight. I don't think he'll break through and fight for a title this next year. But I just think, look, it's been so close to the top. Two knockout losses uh, to Ngannou and, you know, the one to Lewis, which surprised a lot of us. But I do feel like he's learned and come back stronger in each each step of the way. And, and he hasn't been without missteps at certain points, at, you know, when he steps up high. But I think this is the year he figures out the formula to get the best out of himself. And we close this calendar year going, whoever is champion, whether it's John and Ganu, Gan, who knows? Like heavyweight could be wild and fun as shit this year if people are active. I think Blades will be that next in line and finally get his chance. Whether he wins it or not, you know, could be matchup dependent, could mean a lot of things, but I'd like to see him finally get it. And finally, not that I have any intel on this, or but I'm just going by history. Fedor, February 4th, CBS against Ryan Bader for the Bellator title is supposed to be Fedor's farewell. But, like, this is a royalty engagement, not just because Fedor could ostensibly, as Luke would say, uh, retire as Bellator champion with this crowning moment, the last time MMA was, you know, I mean, I know UFC's been on ABC and Fox and all that, but like Strikeforce kicked the door open on CBS to do stuff like this and do it to large crossover numbers. Fedor was the centerpiece along with, you know, the Kimbo experiment at that point. Now Fedor is back. I just think win or lose. Imagine Fedor fighting, you know, over his head, but losing dramatically. I just think he's going to come back. And I think if, and nobody knows yet in this post streaming era, if the CBS attempt hits blockbuster ratings, the fact that like Silva Anderson Silva versus, you know, Fedor is still sitting out there. Like, dude, that is the ultimate CBS fight because the whole purpose of network TV is to try to pull back former fans or ones or one night only fans. That's a one night only fan thing. So, uh, you know, look, if Fedor gets iced here, uh, you know, I could eat my crow and he could walk away and be a great coach the rest of his career. But, uh, 
I just have a feeling he ain't done, Luke. If when there when there's this much kind of like royal, not history, but you know this this, he's in a great spot again, right? To 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 do something potentially big, you know. Let's see. Let's see what happens. You know. Let's All see right. what books he reads. Fair yeah. enough. Let's move to light heavyweight now. A lot going on in this division. BC, if I may, I'd like to go first on this one because I feel like I'm probably going to be way different than you. Could yeah. be wrong, I suppose. I think that up to three, and I'm not sure exactly which ones. But I feel like you could get up to three of the current top 15 retiring next year, right? Let's think about that for just a second. If you look at the rankings for, excuse me, for uh, the light heavyweight division. Oh, now my, here we go. Uh, you have Glover Teixeira, who has already been talking about retirement since this year on. So that's one. You have Dominic Cruz, who, uh, excuse me, Dominic Reyes. What am I saying? Dominic Reyes, who... You know, I think is he's pledged to continue, but his career is in peril. It's it's a fair way to put that. Khalil Roundtree has flirted with retirement at various points uh, in his run. Jan Blahovich is barreling down towards forty. He's not far from it at this point as well. Anthony Smith, I know, is not. I don't think he's like eminently retiring, but I know that he certainly doesn't have a ton of time left. And who knows with all of his injury loads? To me, but by the way, Volkan Uzdemir is kind of in a similar position. To me, it's not at all crazy that you could get upwards of three of these guys, potentially even more, just calling it a day at the by the end of 2023, given what they're up against, and in certain cases, some of their ages. Yeah, I mean, it shows how wide open this division is. Uh, I mean, I wonder if, if you could put that for the light heavyweight or heavyweight division any year, that three in the top 15 may go, That's only because you can, you can hang later in age. But I think it does ring true to the era that we're in right now. You know, maybe... Maybe the best light heavyweight is Prohatsko. We don't know, but he's going to be out for a year and might not ever be the same. And maybe the best light heavyweight is Nikolaev, but he kind of got partial, I don't know, like not screwed, but a disputed loss. And it's like, and now he's not getting the next chance. So who knows? I mean, like, damn. I mean, this all ties in. I'm sure we're both mentioning Vadim Nemkov in this point. But if you yes. were riding the train of Vadim Nemkov actually is the best light heavyweight in the world, which is a, a scenario that's out there and in play and could be true, He's got the best chance to prove that this calendar year with all the upheaval in the UFC. I mean, like, who's going to be uh, even Glover or Jamal Hill winning, which plays? I better give you my uh, one of my something to watch for, Luke. I think the winner of Tashera Hill, you know, gets hammered out by Ankalaev to close right. the year. That that's your new we champion. We have very so similar predictions. Yeah, they could be transitional champions. I mean, for for the bad luck of late or the weird decision making at light heavyweight, even though Glover has said publicly in the last week he won't do it. Imagine if he's in a war with Jamal Hill, like a, just a bloody war, wins it, and then it's like, sorry, guys, I know I said I wouldn't retire, but there's no better way to go out. I mean, that would be the most, like, reverse karma. I mean, it'd be a great moment for Glover and his fans, but UFC would be like, are you kidding me? We cannot – does anybody want this title? You know what I mean? The, it's it's wide open right now, Luke, and that that's that's playing into all of our points right now. Yeah, I mean, some of the other things I was going to watch were – Ankalaev, I think, eventually ends the year as champion. I think that's one thing I'm paying attention to. Uh, to your point, Vadim Nemkov basically solidifying his status maybe as the top 205er in the world. Certainly, I think you couldn't have a conversation about who is without him very much front and center in the conversation. Also, I'll add one more, dude. How about this hammer over in one championship? Anatoly Malikin yeah. beating the shit out of uh, uh, Rainier de Ritter. And I actually think he might defend both belts. And one, he doesn't have to keep necessarily the same kind of competitive defense schedule. He might end the year, but but he, he'll have to – he's the interim heavyweight champion and the full-on light heavyweight. I think he defends his light heavyweight belt continuously, however much that ends up being. And I think he'll eventually 
either get the heavyweight title if they can't come to some kind of deal with Arjun Buller, or I, I suspect he might even end up winning that contest. Dude, that dude is a motherfucking nightmare. Yeah, and anybody that got to pay attention to too. Anybody that tuned in for the RDR fight or in reaction to it is like, how the hell is that guy a light heavyweight? One's rehydration rules allow you to, you know, these are 205 pound bouts that are really like 220, right? I mean, right. let's be fair here. Right, yeah. right, right. Um, um, Luke, I echoed one of your something to watch by by saying, look, I, I have qu qu huge questions if Dom Reyes will ever be the same. But I didn't give you my, uh, you know, and I don't want that to come true, by the way, this year. But yeah, I've got monster questions about literally is Dom Reyes like, is he done, Luke? I mean, I hope right. not. You know, right. we'll, he'll get another chance to prove that wrong. But damn, my prediction, though, is this, and it's related to Vadim Nemkov, is that, you know, he might be the best light heavyweight in the world. So you ask yourself, well, what can he do this calendar year amid the upheaval in the UFC to sort of stamp that or cement that? And, you know, fighting Corey Anderson in a trilogy could be that. But, Luke, even though I haven't heard that this is in play at all, Gegard Mousasi recently lost his middleweight title to Johnny Eblem. He's a former elite light heavyweight who cut back down to, to middleweight. I know he's always talking about wanting a heavyweight fight too, but how about Vadim Nemkov, Gegard Mousasi in 2023? And my prediction is if that ends up happening, Luke, that might be the best title fight globally that this division produces from the standpoint of like resumes, royalty on paper. And, you know, and that's not a disrespect to if like Glover wins and then fights Ankalaev. Like, we'll all be tuned in for it, but that doesn't have the same, you know, legacy stuff to it as Nemkov Musasi would and I think that'd be a hell of a fight that'd be very interesting to see I think I think Nemkov does evil things to him candidly dude but Musasi does have a way to kind of just reinvent himself or remind us that even at his age he's still got another gear I wouldn't put it past him is what I'm saying to, we, we, we've this is one where we've disagreed considerably over the yeah. years uh, sometimes to my own detriment sometimes to, to yours but it will I, I do think that that is a fight that could is very much on the table because he just won the the lightweight Grand Prix like needs some fresh matchups you know and what I mean the best way Nemkov could add to his resume in short time is somebody with Man. that stature who's still yeah. got you know a stroke he's got something left i don't know how much but he's got he's still got a decent amount left i mean eblin handled him that was shocking Luke. fair and enough shocking. all right we move we move to the shocking. middleweight division bc i'll let you go first on this one what is your big prediction 2023 for the middleweight division you know i've been thinking about this and and when you're kind of plotting the future of this division in the ufc moving forward uh post poeton upset knockout I'm just like, look, at the end of the day, we got to see this rematch. It's got to be next. Do not pass go. Do not sub in anybody else. Give me uh, Poetan versus Adesanya too. And, mm. you know, Luke, as it pertains to a rematch, like, uh, you know, I'm sure Izzy could end up even being favored on a betting line because let's not forget that for four rounds, he showed you exactly how you beat somebody as, as good and dangerous and, you know, and all that. But there's this thing about their story and their arc. I mean, Poetan's had his number three friggin' times and has had to overcome and climb hills to get to where he is now and get, you know, the same type of attention and world acclaim. I mean, I know he's two division champion in glory, but him coming over the UFC and the quick run to the title, I'm starting to wonder, Luke, if he just has Adesanya's number where when they do this rematch, no matter if it's in Brazil or Australia or wherever, I wonder if he stops Adesanya even quicker the second time, mm. even though my natural makeup would be, I saw what I saw for four rounds. If any, you know, Adesanya can win this fight. He showed us more often than not in that fight that he can control this. But dude, sometimes people just have the other guy's number. And I don't like to ever lean on that, you know, when it comes to a prediction. But I, I, I do fear that. 
It always it goes back to the couch when pregame preview and Chuck Mindenhall was like, we might be having this wrong. This is the Poetan redemption story, even though he won the first two meetings. This is not even about Adesanya. Luke, it may be just that man's time. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you okay. can't fuck with that. Yes and no. Here's my prediction for 2023. And I'll be honest, I don't really know exactly how it happens. Right? I don't what I'm about to say is I don't I'm not exactly sure what the mechanics are. But I think by the end of 2023, Robert Whitaker reclaims his title. That's what I think. He's been waiting in the wings for a while. I mean, as of the time of this recording, uh, the fight with Paulo Costa is supposed to be in UFC 284 in Perth has fallen through. Uh, they may rebook it. They may not. But I think one way or the other, he's going to get next on that Izzy and Pereira rematch. Or even if Izzy wins, does he want to fight Rob again? I, I, I seriously doubt that. I just feel like Robert has been waiting 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 and if you're right that Pereira wins again we've said this before his worst matchup is yeah. definitely Robert Whitaker I, I don't know man Robert Whitaker might get that belt one more time and no, that would be something to be that would really cement his legacy at middleweight would it not well you know he's one of my favorite fighters you know I like to refer to him as a living legend for a reason meaning it just so happened he had Adesanya in his weight class in his time and era and you know came so close in the rematch but after legitimately getting crunched in the first fight. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think this is a great prediction because there are ways it can happen, meaning, you know, they could do the rematch and Izzy loses and then just says, hey, I'm going to, to light heavyweight. Or Izzy could win and then say, hey, I'm going to light heavyweight for all we know. And it could open the idea of a vacant belt. Or Izzy just goes, I need more time before I come back. Anything can happen, obviously, you know, injuries, all that stuff. But if anything happens, Robert Whitaker's waiting next, and you know they'll put him in there against Pereira, and it'll be a very interesting test that he'll be favored on paper to win. So, yeah, Luke, I, he's not going to – I don't think he ever moves up to light heavyweight, and if he ever did, had success. But I I don't think – it. you know, I'd put a lot of money down if you said, are you going to bet before his career is done that he holds that title again? He's going to hold it again. Will it come next year? Very well could be. But um, I think Johnny Eblen, Luke, and Bellator is going to stay unbeaten for this year and really show us how good he can be. I'm looking forward to that. I also – I'm going to have my eyes closely on Roman Delize, who by them giving him Marvin Vittori in the UFC side that shows that they believe he's ready for big things. Could you imagine if Delize goes in there and like, let's say stops Vittori, who is so insanely durable. Imagine if that was the transaction that happened, you'd be talking, Oh shit. When do we match him up for a title shot? You know what I mean? Or, or, or like mm -hmm. what? So he's common dude. And he may end up knocking out one of your heroes on the way to get there. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not a super fan of him by proxy Luke, if you will. No, but, I understand. But I'm also afraid of him, and you know he he tends to hang around with one of my favorite fighters, so it's just all coincidental at the end of the day, you know. So there's definitely that. I'm going to add. I think RoboCop Gregory Rodriguez. I think he finds his way into the top 15 over on the one side. You know, Renier de Ritter lost his light heavyweight title, but he's still the middleweight champ over there. So I think he holds on to that. Also, BC, this is a question for this division and the next one, which is Hamzat Shemaev. Does he fight? In 2023, at middleweight, if he does, I think he does pretty well, but I don't know if he's gonna, and what does that do to shake things up? So those are all of the three things, in addition to Robert Whitaker's fortunes, that I'm paying attention to there. Well, luckily, Luke, my crystal ball is the answer as we transition to welterweight here in terms of my prediction for the year. It does involve Hamzat Chimaev. Look, I think he could get a middleweight fight at any time. Right. If, if everybody got sick and they needed a challenge championship contender last minute, it would be him. If you wanted to do some weird coast to fight, it would be him. Right. But I think they're going to give him the chance this calendar year to max out what he can do at welterweight before it might become that he just can't make that anymore, which is still, you know, in play after missing weight 
against Nate Diaz by so much. But my prediction is, Luke, that he wins the championship next year. At the end of the day, I just don't see, you know, from what we see, you can only go on the eye test. You can only go from what we've seen. But, dude, from what you've seen in the cage, you know, it's like I, I do start to believe that that Burns fight was certainly Gilbert, you know, a legendary warrior just going for it. But I also think Chemaev was like, okay, I'll play this game with you. Let's do this. Let's do it for the fans. I want to show you how tough I am. I think when he when he hones in on a title fight in this division, and if he has to go through Covington first on pay-per-view, or let's say Camaro gets hurt and they put him right in with Leon, I mean, there's a lot of scenarios here. Camaro wins back the title, then fights Chemaev. However the scenarios play out, we're doing the show a year from now with Chemaev as champion at welterweight because I just can't imagine anyone beating him. So I, I can't bet against that until I see it, Luke. He has, like, has anyone ever done this to us? Just, I mean, you know, we're maybe boots on us right now in boxing. Maybe that's the equivalent where you're just like, I, I, I know what I'm seeing. I know it. I'm seeing something s ridiculously special right here, you know? Fair enough. I don't have one about Hamza, but I got one with a, a similar sounding name. I don't think he's going to win enough based on his current ranking position to win a title, although that certainly could happen. But I think it's just inevitable. Shavkat Rachmanov moves into the top three. So I, I, he is on his way. I don't know who he's going to beat, but he's going to beat him. And I think he's going to remain undefeated this next year. And he will move into a position where either at the end of 2023, probably more likely the beginning of 2024, maybe the first first or second quarter there, he's going to yeah. fight for a UFC title. I think that is just simply inevitable and coming down the line. Now, I will say also in this division, BC, two things I'm watching in one. Christian Lee had an amazing performance to become a double champ over there at welterweight. I don't think he holds on to it, though. I, I tend to think that that is something he he will remain the lightweight champion over there, but I don't think he's going to hold on to the welterweight one. It just seems like a little bit of a bridge too far, uh, given how the first fight went with Abasov and everything else. Also, BC, here's my prediction about this one. Ready? I don't think Sage Northcutt comes back next year, and I don't think he comes back ever. I think I think that's no. a wrap. No, he's a he's a he's a professional fitness model on IG, Luke, and. By yeah. the way, I don't think anyone's ever put more time into to to abs and stuff than he. I mean, he's freakishly in shape, Luke. That's a business model in 2023, right? Like, just don't come back, dude. Don't come back. Yeah, okay? the what would be your face was shattered? Like, what would be the point anymore? If you no. can make money doing something a lot safer, just go do that. Uh, you don't need to prove anything to the rest of us. And then, lastly, BC, we can't have a conversation about welterweight without a big name. Yeah, Conor McGregor. Now, of course, he's rumored to be fighting Michael Chandler. That's what the UFC wants anyway. That could happen at lightweight, but it could just as easily happen at welterweight. The no, guy is teasing even a move terms. to middleweight. Okay, the middleweight is, uh, you know, <laughs> middleweight is is a joke. Okay, I mean, you talk about matchup dependent, so the middleweight's a joke. But um, the things I'm watching echo right into that. One of them, Luke, I'm fearful for this. Okay, you know, it's not past the UFC. Let's say Usman gets hurt again and 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 has to continue to delay his return. Could Hamza get the call against Edwards? Of course. Jorge Masvidal also could, Luke, like in a London stadium as right. like a setup for Leon to be the triumphant hero at home against the guy who three-pieced him, who's now – By the way, three-pieced him in the UK. That happened yes. in the UK. But who's also now decidedly passed it in Jorge Masvidal. Luke – this would be worse at the time, you know, timing wise, if they went this way. 
dude, this is worse than Dan Hendo at 46 getting the biz being, you know, rematch title shot. I, I don't put it past them that they might do this. I hope they don't, Luke. And I, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, it's just like when Jorge got the rematch with Kamaru, it was gratuitous at that point, in my opinion. Okay. Now we're doing this too. So I'm watching that. Um, I think McGregor does return at welterweight, but I think he only fights once this year, Luke. And win or lose, I think he's going to leave more questions than answered. The answers in his lone fight. That doesn't mean he's going to shatter his leg again, but I just think that like he will come back. We'll get all excited, and then it will, you know, seriously, win or lose, it'll be, oh, okay. But he's decidedly, again, past it. You know, we're going to find that out in this fight, and I fear that Luke because he's been so fun to watch. My final thing to watch is this: Look, Dustin Poirier could could still be in line. To, to, to make his way back to a lightweight title shot, especially given his name and history at this point. But Luke, I think there's a lot of like welterweight non-Connor pay-per-view fights that will continue to slowly open up for him, right? I mean, like if he gets the call and they need an event and it's like, oh yeah, we want you to fight Masvidal. We want you to fight Colby. Like these type of fights. Dude, Poirier's in a spot right now, Luke, where he's already shown us more times over than not that, you know, this is the road he'd rather go and make the big money and be in these big fights then necessarily get back in line and get Mahachov. Do you know what I mean? Luke? Yeah, although yeah. Uh, he's not going to fight Masvidal. Is that what you said? I'm throwing that out as the type of idea I'm talking about here. Oh, okay? I see, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. You know, like so something that, off the beaten you know, path, that yeah. type of fight where maybe something falls through. They, you know, because who do they call when something falls through? Do they call people in the Rich Franklin spot, which is Poirier is now in, where you're still good enough and famous enough where nobody would go crazy if you got a last minute title shot or whatever, but you're basically in the bullpen waiting for them to use your brand in huge fights. And that's not saying that Poirier's uh, past it, dude. He just showed us how gritty and great he still is against Chandler, but um, there's going to be money to be made. Luke, he's, he's in the spot now to make that. So uh, good for him. Okay. Good for him. All right. Fair enough. We move to the lightweight division, the division of Kings, or at least the one that has been the division of Kings for the last few years. Anyway, BC, uh, my prediction, my big prediction for lightweight, not a very, not a very, I don't want not full of pomp and circumstance, pretty straightforward. I just don't see any way that Islam Makachev doesn't finish the year as the lightweight champion. I know, of course, there could be, that doesn't mean, by the way, that Volkanovsky can't win at 284 and then he has to get revenge on him. I'm saying, here's my prediction when 2023 closes, Makachev's wearing that belt. What do you think? Yeah. Well, not only will I, you know, stamp down on that and say you're right, and that's the, you know, it's an easy prediction, but it's a good one. I mean, he's going to be the pound for pound king after he beats Volkanovsky. So this is going to be a monster year as he continues to it, weird, like show us he might actually be as great as Habib. Like that's not out of play yet. Uh, you know what I mean? Like this is just, I mean, look, he's in a spot to show us greatness. My prediction, Luke, goes along with that. Below Mahachev on top, this top five is going to get, I think, completely overhauled. Like, the top five as we see it right now in the rankings is not going to be the top five. None of those guys are going to be in the top five at this point next year. And it's not some bold prediction either when, like, this was the old division of kings and those kings are aging. And when you age, you either fall out of the rankings or you move up to welterweight and fight action fights. Um, This is the division where I think most, maybe along with, women's flyweight right now under Valentina where there's the most amount of young talent that are coming the hell on right now and appear ready. And I can't believe I'm saying that about 125 for Valentina because just feels like an hour ago, there was nobody for her to fight, but there are young, you know, aggressive, <laughs> hungry fighters coming on and the same thing at lightweight, dude, those hammers are here. So both of our predictions I think are obvious, Luke, they're obvious. 
All right, so something I'm watching. This one also feels kind of obvious, but just as a reminder, remember in 2023, Bellator is supposed to be doing a 155, a lightweight Grand Prix, which if you look at some of the names in there, it could be kind of fun. AJ McKee, Tofik Musayev, obviously you can go a lot of different directions. BC, I don't think it matters. I think at the end of the day, Usman Nurmagomedov is going to win all of the fights in that tournament, and he's going to win the whole thing outright. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, because I don't actually think it's going to be easy, but I think he's going to get it done. Well, Luke, I took your prediction on Mahachev and just that trumped it up by saying he'll also be the best fighter in the sport. Uh, Usman Nurmagomedov may end up using 2023 to become the Bellator pound-for-pound king in, in route to defending his title. Because, Luke, in this tournament, he's going to have to fight killers. And, look, I think the fight to make for Bellator for next year is Usman versus uh, AJ McKee. Like, oh, my God, the hardcore fan that is somewhere inside of me, Luke. People think that, you know, the casual has pushed that out, but I still holding some hardcore in here and damn, that's my hardcore Super Bowl right there. You know, he does that. He eventually, I mean, you know, like who knows he could end up fighting Patricio one day. They're going to give him that chance to become that he's going to be the best fighter in Bellator, which I think that is going to make Habib the best coach in the world. If both those things happen, but we'll get to that later in the show. Luke. All right. Fair enough. We move to the featherweight division. Oh, I had one more thing, Luke. I'll say it in one sentence form. Uh, Charles Oliveira is going to turn back into a pumpkin this year. And that doesn't mean he's going to get knocked out in consecutive fights or anything. I'm just saying this. The greatness that we saw, I just don't think it's sustainable because of the risk taking and all that. The hot streak is over. It doesn't mean he won't win a fight. That doesn't mean whatever. I just think he's going to come back down to earth at at where – you know what the rest of his career is going to look like. So don't don't shoot the messenger. But how could he keep that shit going, Luke? How? Could All right, he? fair enough. On to the featherweight division. BC, I'll pitch to you first. Give me your big prediction for 2023 in the 145 pound division. All right. There's been eating at me because you know I'm a Brian Ortega super fan, right? I just respect the guy a lot. He makes the most fun fights possible. What he eats at me, Luke, is that every time he does get another title shot or another big fight. He puts on a damn near fight of the year in his blood and guts, but you do question like, well, is that the best use of his skills or, or is this the best use of his, you know, long-term future and health? Or is he just that dude that makes fun fights? Well, he is that just that dude. But look, he's also really happy in his life right now. This seems to be like domestic bliss, Brian Ortega coming through. And I think considering he's still young enough right now at 31, that there's one more big run in, in him where he, finds a way to use that 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 formula and find the balance of the force a little bit better. So my pick is Domestic Bliss fuels Brian Ortega into a revival in 2023 where mm. he works his way into position for a third title shot. He's going to have to beat the very best. It seems he only ever wants to fight the very best, and sometimes he comes up just short. But, Luke, I think he's going to figure out how to use his main best skill, his jiu-jitsu, as a weapon rather than as a Hail Mary and he's going to rein in that that lack of uh, defense or lack of intention on defense where he just walks straight in on people and just goes mano a mano. And if he can do that, there's some subtitle matchups here where I think he's going to surprise us. I think he has a big year. But that's also just because I love the guy, Luke. So, you know, I could be looking through um, giant, you know, Coke bottle glasses here. They're all fogged up, right? <laughs> Steamed up is the better way to put yeah, that, I think. yeah. BC, I don't have a great prediction for this, although I do have some things I'm watching in 2023 I do want to talk about. My prediction is pretty simple for 2023. Dude, Volkanovski does not end that year as anything other than the champion. He's so far ahead of the competition at 145. They cannot catch him. So let me get to the two things I'm watching in 2023, which to me is much more interesting. One, BC, what happens to Max Holloway? 
Does he stay at 145? Does he go to 155? Does he retire? Doesn't seem like he's going to retire, but what is he going to do? What is his path back? As long as Volkanovsky's there, I don't I don't know how this is going to go. That's the first thing. The second one is I think 2023 stands the best chance of being the year of Arnold Allen. It is time for him, and he does appear ready for a big step up in competition. Obviously, he didn't get a chance to fully actualize that this year um, based on the injury that happened in his last fight to his opponent. But um, you get what I'm saying? He is yeah. He's ready. He's ready for a move. He has been diligently building his skills, but has been something of like the Gary Russell of MMA where he's just not competing often enough, despite how good he is, to really, you know, just truly advance through. I think this year, with the UFC, by the way, traveling more to the UK, the UK being a more of a hub, he's going to get more looks, he's going to get more chances, and I think he's going to really elevate himself to a title contender this coming year. By the way, the UFC is looking for fresh matchups. I mean, we're going to get the winner of Josh Emmett and obviously uh, um, uh, El Pantera. The um, Rodriguez. Ma- yeah. Who? Uh, well, we're talking about Rodriguez. Who are we talking about? Uh, no, the... Uh, wh- God, my brain doesn't work this way. Yeah, I mean, we're two washed, absolutely (laughs) pathetic pieces of garbage here that I can see. Rodriguez? No, no. Yair Rodriguez. Yair Rodriguez. Okay, so I wasn't being racist. I was being right. Thank you. You're being right. No, I wasn't accusing you of that. I was just accusing you of being washed like me. Yeah, I was washed in the moment. I'm like, I think it's Rodriguez, isn't it? (laughs) So we know Volkanovski has to fight that, but he's probably going to fight one more time. And who's it going to be? They're going to look for some fresh contenders. Zombies out, or take it to your point, he's got some rebuilding to do. Max has had three chances. They're going to start going down the list. I think Arnold Allen might really assert himself this year into that position. Until he gets tapped by Ortega, I agree with you, Luke. He should have a strong <laughs> year, a chance to prove it. Um, Luke, I'm going to be on the lookout for Shane Burgos in the PFL if he can potentially Ooh. make a run in their featherweight tournament, which that's a fun division for the PFL. Brendan Lockenane, right? Luke, that's the, that's the same weight class, connect, correct? Uh, I believe that's right. Brendan Lockenane had to go one war after another to get to this point, so it'd be interesting to see an action hero like Burgos, who, by the way, Dana White, remember he said publicly that they, they, the plan was to re-sign him, and base, basically Dana threw somebody under the bus and said somebody fucked up, and they didn't. So, uh, you know, he's got he's got a lot left. Uh, Ilya Teporia obviously is coming on. Luke, I think he gets a chance to clean out the old guard that's left in the top ten. You know, like some of your favorite fighters are inav- inevitably going to be offered uh, a fight at him, and that's going to be their biggest opportunity, and they're going to get knocked out. This guy's coming the hell on. Uh, my wild card, something I'm watching, Luke. I, I did. Oh, wow, I kind of said the same thing about Fedor. But I just didn't believe that Josie Aldo's really done when he was done, Luke. So, hmm. you know, could I could I see Josie Aldo waking up this spring and just feeling really good one day and being jacked as shit and looking around and going, you know what? I should move back up to featherweight where I was the king and I should just make really fun, you know, like celebrity matchups that are wars. Yeah, for a lot of money and, and respect because this is how I'm wired and this is what I do. Yeah, the king's gonna come back, Luke, at one four five. Okay, we maybe imagine if he rematched Connor at lightweight. God, I love fun matchmaking. You know, that'd be crazy. Damn. That'd be crazy. Yeah. All right, he would take we that mo- in a heartbeat, dude. You'd be better believe he uh, would. All right, we move to the bantamweight division now, the true division of kings, at least currently at one thirty five BC. I'll go first with my prediction, and again, not exactly sure how it happens here. Not exactly sure the mechanics of it. But I'm a big believer in his ability. I'm not a big believer in his comedy, but I'm a big believer in his ability, even though I poo-pooed a fight between him and Volkanovski because I do think he has some work to do. But I think by the end of 2023, Henry Cejudo is going to reclaim that belt. I think he is a generational talent. I think he is extremely special. 
And it was unfortunate he retired when he did, although I understand his circumstances. It's unfortunate that he went to Kadyrov's son's birthday party, but nevertheless, abilities are abilities. and He's got them. I think he's going to be your champ next year at some point, probably towards the third or fourth quarter of the year. But I think he gets it done. What do you think? That should be a lot of Eric Alberacin on the timeline, right? <laughs> yeah, tons of tons of Captain Captain America. By the way, not Captain America. He's Captain Americas, right? That's yes. what they call the North and South America, the Americas. So he's Captain I, Americas. Well, I'll say this: this division for me is the hardest to predict who ends next year as the champion. Not just because it's the deepest and best division at the moment, but because it seems like a lot of these potential matchups are in flux, and because of O'Malley having won the big fight with Jan, he could lap everybody and get the shot. So I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't, I, I cannot though, you know, it's like, did I, did I pick against Cejudo in, in almost like every single one of those big fights before he walked away? Yeah. Like I was, he had to prove it to me in historical context to show me how great he is. Yeah. He's great. Luke, I'm going to give him that chance like you to prove it. I don't know if he reclaims the title, but my prediction is this, whether it comes in the title form, interim title form, or just a grudge rematch, Cheeto Vera stays being Sean O'Malley's kryptonite. Luke, I just feel like the meanness mm. Uh, the, 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 where he's at in his career. And I think, look, could O'Malley win the championship? Absolutely. He could, but you know, yeah, he, there's still things Sean O'Malley has not fully shown us on this elite level. And no one's going to forget the way that, that verified ended and how it ended. So Vera's even better and hotter and angrier than he was then Luke. I, it could happen in the championship, but I mean, that's the thing. Chino Vera could be your champion. Dude, people could get hurt and Marab could become champ. Like you don't know True. what's going to happen here. Corey True. Sanhagen's still alive. You know what I'm saying? Like, Watch out. It's so many dynamic, rising, surging, incredible contenders in this division. I'll tell you something else I'm watching in this division, BC. First thing, I don't think Sergio Pettis ends 2023 as the Bellator champ. It's either going to be Ralphion Stotts or, you know, do Patchy Mix look so good yeah. in his last fight? It might be him, but either way, I think one of them has got Sergio's number. I think they end that. Also, small little thing. You didn't get a chance to fully have it actualized between Fabricio Andrade and John Lineker in, in one because of the whole thing ended up in a bit of a disaster. But I think by the time the year ends, Fabricio Andrade is going to be your champion over in, over in one for the bantamweight division. Not a bad pick. I'm looking for Patchy Mix the same, the same look. I think he just keeps winning this calendar year, and that could end up being uh, $1 million, the, the championship, if, you know, if he wins the tournament and then beats Pettis. I mean, God, can you imagine him again? Imagine if Patricio ever did fully cut down and the, to 35, and then it was him and Patchy. Dude, Patchy could just stay winning right now. I mean, he could be on one of those runs. We'll see what happens. Also, I think Aljo and Marab are going to end up staying friends because this the uncertainty atop the division – like Aljo could run the table. Who knows? We have no freaking idea, but I think it's just, dude, any fight here, the belt could go. So uh, Aljo won't end up having to fight Marab for the title, but yeah. Fun. Do you think Marab gets the title level? He's, he's good enough. Luke. He I mean, here's enough. the thing. He's got like, he's got a couple of like the really important qualities. He can wrestle obviously. And his cardio is maybe truly, I'm not even doing a bit, maybe the best I've ever seen yeah. in the he's sport. He's a dog too. He's an absolute Yeah. Dog. And he's tough as shit. So like all of those things really put him in contention. I just wonder like against Jose, he couldn't really do a whole lot. Plus it was at elevation you know, like there's some fine tuning of his game, but if he fine tunes it this next year, he's going to be tough to beat. He's going to be tough to beat. Um, all right. At the flyweight division, BC, you go first. Give me your big prediction for the men's 125 division in 2023. 
I said Bantamweight was the division that's hardest to predict who ends holding the title. I think the easiest division that uh, to predict will be the hot potato division, maybe outside of men's light heavyweight. The, that belt could change hands multiple times this coming calendar year. My prediction is that three different fighters end up being UFC flyweight champion by the close wow. of the year. So that would be Figueredo coming into the fourth fight with Moreno, which... Look, we asked a lot about Figueredo in the third fight at 34 to, you know, stay in a division that he could barely make the weight and try to go in there against a guy that just stopped him. Imagine if Moreno wins it. And then imagine, Luke, if Moreno fights KK France in a rematch fight. Who else is coming on? I mean, this division's got some some good names in it in the moment that that are, you know, there's parody for sure, but that parody plays into the possibility that Raw Dog Royville, that Nikolau who's on that win streak, Luke. Anybody could be coming on here. So I like the craziness of the division. The other things I'm watching quickly is where does Askar Askarov end up signing? If Unless he signed somewhere and I missed it because he left on his own terms. He could be a plus for any other global federation that has a good flyweights. And Raw Dog Royville in particular, Luke, Brandon Royville, who has a very exciting, flashy, well-rounded game, but loves to fight and I think sometimes gets too crazy. If he could turn back the raw dog a little, I think he may end up turning the corner this year and and becoming a fixture in these rankings and 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 a, you know putting himself in position to fight for that title. So I'm expecting a big year from him, Luke, because it's in him. He's long, he can sub you, but dude, he I think he plays the like me on this show, Luke. You know what I mean? You say I all I do is play to the fans. All I do is try to pick up on what they don't like about you and exploit it like some disingenuous friend, Luke. Yeah, that is, that is what you do. It's kind of accurate. Yeah, it is. All right. I'm sorry. You know, all I can do, Luke, is ask for uh, forgiveness after the fact, after we win all the awards, after the fact, you know? Yeah. We win the awards. You're forgiven. How about okay. that? If we okay. don't win shit. Yo, we're fighting. That's the yeah. end of it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's go to the, oh, by the way, for, for me, I don't have much advancing weight to, excuse me, a flyweight to say, except this. Again, our predictions are slightly different, but may end up in the same place. I think by the end of 2023, Figueredo goes to bantamweight. Yeah. Now, he might start the year at flyweight. But by the end of it, he's he's up to another division. I think his ability to cut down to this weight class, and especially if Moreno beats him, I think I think he just moves on. It's going to be too much for him either way. Also, something to pay attention to, they've kind of downplayed it in the media, being like, oh, it's no big deal, which I just don't believe at all. But what does Brandon Moreno look like after the departure from James Krause? Like, yeah. how do all these guys manage? And Brandon Moreno was something of the golden child over at Glory MMA and Fitness um, in this latest chapter of it prior to all of these uh, incidents around betting being involved. So I'd be curious to see what that looks like. I'd be very curious. All right, uh, BC, let's go to the women's division. Now I'm going to group these together, these two divisions together, because I just don't know what to say about either of them. So let's let's talk about women's 155, because it is a division that has at least got some news, and women's 145. Let's talk about them together. Do you have any big predictions for 2023 for women's 145 and women's 155? 155, I think it's a slam dunk one that this is going to be Kayla Harrison's last year with the PFL. So that may that may be the fourth fight against Pacheco. Uh, you know, maybe they eschew the tournament format and just run that as a pay-per-view rematch for the belt. They and better. then whether or not she gets cyborg to close the year or whatever, they don't have anything to keep her there, Luke. I don't think they I don't think they do outside of the million. No, I don't downplay the million or how intelligent that cage might be, but uh there's history at play, and Kayla's actually not 25, Luke. Isn't she like like? I mean, she's in the midst of her prime right now. Yeah, right? remember she... she remember she has two Olympic medals, so that's just an eight year cycle. Let me let me double check. I think she's 32. Let me yeah. So that. I mean, it's it's time. She knows it's time. Um, could the could the division stay alive after that in the PFL? Maybe because it's been going for a few years and they've been 
cultivating talent and Pacheco is seems seems to be absolutely legit. But Luke, it folds into my prediction for Featherweight too. Dude, um I don't think they ever even have a UFC women's featherweight title fight this year. I think Nunez is, has the potential to have, to be tied up, you know, too much at 35 that there's no rankings on the site. We always make that joke. So I don't know if, if Kayla leaves after next year, I don't know if they do a, a PFL women's 155 anymore. I don't even think they do a UFC 145 anymore. I do think it's still in play that if Kayla goes to UFC in 2024, that somebody gets my idea, and I'm sure others have had it too, about the women's heavyweight catch-all division. I think that's very possible because I don't know how else you're going to make Kayla who she's supposed to be in a division 45, which she says I can make like, you know, once in a while for big fights. But um, so I, I think that all plays in where you'll, you will see huge upheaval in these outside divisions, meaning outside of, 115, which is always stacked and loaded. 125, which is starting to, you know, become something now. Um, I don't know, you know, unless they do women's heavyweight, these divisions may only pop up or down based on star power, Luke. And if, you know, these things, meaning Kayla and Amanda shifting organizations or divisions is going to play into whether there's a future there. There's no future at 145 for uh, UFC females unless they go heavyweight, Luke. That's the only future there. Yeah, so 155, mine is almost exactly the same as yours. Uh, Kayla is probably going to beat Pacheco, and then that's going to be it, right? So that she's going to be gone. 145 is a little bit more interesting to me because if Kayla doesn't end up there, right, back at the UFC, not back, I should say, at UFC, what they're going to do is they're just going to wait till Amanda Nunes retires and then close the division, right? That's I completely agree. They're not going to have a heart. Again, if Kayla doesn't show up, they're not going to have a 145-pound fight. They're all 2023, and then if Amanda calls it a day, which she may or may not, but they're just going to they're going to close the division. If she ends up there, that changes it. But here's the thing to sort of factor in, BC. I wonder about this. If the UFC doesn't really have any designs on 145, would they really keep it around just to make one fight, especially now that Kayla is not undefeated any longer? Maybe. But what I think could really end up happening is, man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Uh, remember... I think Bellator made a big pitch and push maybe. I think they did make a, a, an offer for Kayla. What I tend to think might happen here is Kayla might beat Larissa, Larissa and get out of PFL. UFC just says we're just not in this business anymore. And then she actually ends up in Bellator, in which case the 145 is closed in UFC. But then they, they can make good use of her. Like, dude, here's the, here's the truth about it. Scott Coker and what, that, what the Bellator model does is better suited for Kayla in terms of catering to her interests long-term yes. I mean, Scott Coker one big gave, fight at UFC. And Scott Coker gave Ronda Rousey the platform and helped promote her to get her UFC ready to, to take that leap and open up the, uh, you know, women's fighting UFC. So could you imagine if that's an interesting scenario that I never thought about until you just mentioned it, that what if UFC does go forward with these other, you know, predictions we're making, shut that shit down, say, I'm sorry, Kayla. You know, unless you can make 115, we don't have a big fight for you. Imagine Cyborg versus Kayla on CBS, Luke. Seriously, imagine that. Imagine, you know, you could 
that Kayla is is not exactly Ronda. No one's saying that, but in the Ronda ballpark, in some ways, accomplishments, legitimacy. Of course, imagine if that's the fight you put to casuals and try to, you know, I mean, like, of course, yeah. Hang on, Tuke's Dude, gonna come brilliant. in. Oh, I can't wait to hear what Tukes thinks about. No, that. no, no, no. I had to lock that door. Sorry, yeah, he was definitely gonna door. barge in. Dude, that's uh, that's a very this, smart Dude, Kayla, way. Kayla Harrison. Kayla Harrison is a dream matchup for. Um, well, I should say this. She's a dream setup to be on CBS. Yes. Two-time Olympian, greatest yes. judoka in American history, you know, almost not quite undefeated, but, you know, this decorated athletic past. And, you know, she's not – she's good on camera and all the stuff that we know about her. Dude, that is a great matchup on but CBS. Think about, that's exactly who they want. Think about the synergy there. If that if that's a direction Scott Coker ended up going, and we're just putting fantasy ideas out there, like he made – Scott Coker made – Carano versus Cyborg, you know? I mean, like, right. Cyborg is such a legend that she was in the first fight that was thrown to the masses on a crossover level, and she could be in, you know, all these friggin' years later, she could still be just as strong of a brand to kind of give the pro wrestling rub to Kayla Harrison, potentially. I mean, there's, that's 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 central booking, Luke. That I mean, that's, that's, that's a beautiful come around full circle there. You know? All right, let's talk now about oh, no, the... No, go away too quick, Luke, quickly. Um, I'm watching... Espen Lad doesn't have a division in PFL. we got to be really honest with ourselves. She can't make 35 anymore. There's no 45 division in PFL, and maybe they use her as the fallback for Kayla's second pay-per-view opponent next year, which no one's buying. I'm sorry. I don't know what Espen Lad's going to do with PFL, Luke. I guess join the 55 tournament, but I don't know. Uh, the other thing is this. Um... Arlene Blenko, you know, one of my favorite fighters in Bellator, just signed, what well, you know, another contract, Luke. And she went to war in that rematch with Cyborg and I think liked it. Um, be on the lookout if they end up making Blenko versus Sinead Kavanaugh too. Imagine if they put that in Dublin. Uh, they fought once, Blenko won in a close fight. That fight would be a war. That's a little BC sloppy special on the radar that could happen, Luke, okay? All right, let's get to the, the real uh center of the bullseye in women's mma all right i get closer to it anyway how about a bantamweight division bc i'll go first for 2023 bantamweight division women's division here we're talking about for predictions uh, this one seems to me like a no-brainer i think they're gonna make they're gonna move heaven and earth to make amanda nunez versus valentina shevchenko yeah. three yeah. i i just feel like you know again maybe amanda doesn't want it and maybe she poo-poos it but i really really believe ufc wants to see this a third time they're gonna make a push for it and I, I tend to think that in the end, the gravitational pull and significance of this fight will force the principal actors in place um, to get it done. Not only do I agree with that, even though I, I'm sure I've predicted that in the last four years and it just didn't happen, but uh, I will add to that, Luke, that my prediction is Amanda Nunes accepts two trilogy fights in 2023 and both oh. at Bantamweight. So to be fair here, Juliana Pena is the only one that I think is even talking about the idea of a third Nunes fight. But imagine this scenario. You know, the UFC loves Juliana. She's, I mean, God, she's a great ambassador of the sport and her victory over Amanda in the first fight, even though she got dominated in the second, was just one of those storybook ones. Imagine if Juliana comes back in a big fight. I know, for example, Holly Holm has uh, uh, Yana Kunitskaya coming up, but imagine a Holly Holm level fight. Juliana wins that. She's right back in the title picture. Imagine if Amanda goes, fights Valentina a third time, but wins. Could they close the year with that, Luke? Yeah, they could. They very much could, you know? Um, Pena versus Amanda three. Who knows? So that, that's not impossible to get two trilogies. 
Um, Holly Holm will probably stay ranked for the 25th straight year at this division, Luke Bantamweight, <laughs> if they'll have her. I mean, she may be, you know, Kunitskaya for all we know. And my other, uh, uh, oh, that's all I got. You got anything else for Bantamweight? No, no not for in terms of things I'm watching, but I do have one for the next division if we can talk about it. All right, so uh, last week we broke the news that like, at least what Aaron Blanchfield told us was she told us she was going to be fighting Tyler Santos in February. Here's my prediction, BC. Aaron Blanchfield is going to have a title shot in 2023. I'm not going to make a prediction beyond that. And when I the, here's the way I worded it when I wrote these to our producer. She's going to earn a title shot in 2023. So she may not actually get the fight itself in 2023, but by the time the year closes, it'll be clear she's the number one contender and she's ready for that. Uh, the UFC has designated her in that position. Do you agree or disagree? Where are well, you? Well, look, I wouldn't have guessed that she would get the call ready for Tyler Santos, who's coming off, you know, pushing Chev to the limit there. I hate when people call her Chev or Chevy. Like, that's so that's so lame, Luke. It's Put some respect on that Chevchenko name. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fully in agreement on that, Luke. Uh, ultimately, that Blanche Field, if she beats her and she – Damn, she's not nervous at all. I mean, if you, she goes out there beats Tyler Santos, she's going to fight for the title. Absolutely, Luke. And she's young, and they would, they would, you know, she's coming on. Uh, my prediction as it pertains to women's flyweight is, I can, again, can't believe I'm saying this, but I'll, I'll pull, fully put it out there. Women's flyweight next calendar year begins to legitimately rival 115 strawweight mm. as the best women's division in UFC. And I understand crazy, crazy. Well, what does a great division need? It needs certainly the threat of multiple potential champions, which Strawweight always has. It needs the consistency of making great fights. I think, look, we've seen some really good fights at 125 that doesn't get that stamp always of, look, Strawweight once again comes through. But when you look at the top 15 right now, seriously, just six months ago, it felt like it was Valentina and nobody else. The top 15 right now from Manon Ferro at number one, who's coming the hell on, to Santos, to division stalwarts like Jukajian, Murphy, Andrade is moonlighting in this division. You've got Grosso who's moving into position. Araujo, Maya is a tough out. And you even go down to Blanchfield, King Casey O'Neill, Macy Barber, Tracy Cortez, mm -hmm. Amanda Hebas in play. Luke, those are building blocks for the future, but it seems like that future is like now. And you there see, are fun you, fights you, you, you forgot see, a key man. name, I believe. You forgot we a key name. We forgot that key Namely, name's name before. This was my thing show. to watch in this division, which only serves your argument, the return of Tatiana Suarez. She could come back to this division and absolutely. Now, we don't know. She's been out for so long. She had the neck issue and everything. But, dude, if she comes back, she might just hammer through everybody along the way. And, and look, I don't think pound for pound, talent for talent, 125 is as accomplished or as good as what we see in 115. But some of these 115ers, like Hebas and Andrade, are moving up because you can get a shorter path to big opportunity. Dude, 125 is fun. That's all I'm going to say at the end of the day. It's going to end up rivaling 115. So you're right about Suarez. I hope this is finally the year. Luke, what do you have on the best women's division that ever happened, 115? What do you got here? All right, let's get to it. Strawweight. I don't have a great prediction because, one, it's partly unpredictable. I think, two, it's due for some turnover in certain places, except at the top. When you just look down that roster, I mean, there's great fighters everywhere at 115. But the way that Zhang Wiley has been looking, I just don't know who the hell is going to beat her. Of course, we always say that, and there's these crazy upsets at MMA. But my prediction for 2023 is, dude, she's going to remain the champion in that weight class, even if she has another fight with Rose or whatever the case may be. 
that that she is better athletically she's so much more well-rounded now she can wrestle she has legitimate subs her ground and pound is terrifying we always knew she was good on the feet fast athletic i mean i could go on and on about her jean wiley is the best in class at 115 and that's not going to change in the next year well luke my prediction forces that to change my prediction no surprise to anyone listening to this show is that rose nama Yunus is still the motherfucking best and she oh, proves it again and i don't mean to start sounding like pat barry with his theory on like every three or four fights this happens but if you look over rose's career every three or four fights luke she goes from dominant wins in a row to one where you know she just barely loses like the split decision against carolina when there was upheaval in her personal life at the time or ones like getting dropped on her head or just this one against uh, the rematch with Carlo where, look, you know, you can't forgive her for that. It was an, it was an awful fight and an awful game plan and performance. There's a lot of, that's awful about it. But, Luke, she has that ability when she figures it out and puts it together to be better than anybody else. So the reason in particular why I believe I would give her the edge against, like you said, somebody like Zhang Wiley who is as scary as she's ever been and is proving that she's got, like, all-time great metal in her. Like, she's a legit – like, she is that that woman. You know, she's that chick. But is there one hole in Zhang Weili's game on the elite level? I think it's her defense, Luke, which is why that Yoana fight was somewhat surprisingly that close, that first one, that blood and guts war. Rose, timing-wise, accuracy can piece uh, Zhang up and has done it, Luke, in two different fights in various ways. Second fight, very close. Yes, you can make an argument for Weili on the scorecards. But, dude, Rose just has her number in the striking, and I think they'll always make close fights together. And Rose will win it. So um, I'm looking for a, a big one out of the thug once more because that's what she does. I'm also going to be looking, Luke, to see if Mackenzie Dern can figure out her own striking issue. If she Great can, she's call. a title threat. She's an absolute title threat. She's certainly a title threat in a Brian Ortega way in any matchup at any given time if it goes her way. But if she doesn't figure it out, Luke, she's never going to max out. I mean, is it? BC, I'll say this, hold on, but it's not just her striking. I did a tape study on her for my personal channel. Her ground and pound is a major problem, a major problem. There's a lot of ways to, to make the argument, but I'll, I'll simplify it in this way. She, uh, she likes a lot of positions that make a transition to the submission quicker, right? So she'll ride very high on the back. But if you're riding high on the back, for example, you're unstable. So to stable herself, she'll plant her forehead into the mat and then kind of punch. But these are mechanically not advantageous positions from which to punch with at all. You know what you need? You need that Roman Delize style where you have them, uh, yeah. you can drive hips into them, you can control a wrist, and then really begin to unload on your power hand, whatever side that may be. That is a mechanically advantageous position. BC, she's still in her mind in terms of how she strategizes positions hasn't gotten out of thinking about it in a very jujitsu centric way. Yeah. And I think if she wants to go to the next level, yes, striking, of course, the fight start on the feet, but let's get her ground and pound up to speed. If you do that, it's going to open up so many more avenues for her on the ground. I think she's too naturally talented and she has very good intangibles, like her toughness and in, in her, in her drive that I think she's too good not to have a run where she figures it out. I just wonder if it's going to happen next. I mean, you can argue that if, if it doesn't happen soon, it never will, but I, I don't know. Again, is it, is it, you know, does she need to game plan better? Does she need to commit more? I don't know. Whatever it is, Luke, I think she's going to figure it out eventually. It's just, will it be too late by that time? Who knows? We'll see. Luke, we got to close with what, what do we got here? Some combat sports, uh, Prediction angles, story. Yeah, some angles to watch. I'm going to pitch five at you, and you tell me how significant or real they are for 2023. 
This Ready? is Here combat we go. sports in general. These are the biggest headlines, right? Yeah, combat sports in general. All right. Okay, go ahead. Here's one. Are you are you buying or are you selling Nate Diaz boxing Jake Paul on pay-per-view? I'm gonna sell that, Luke. It Ooh. seems like the the fight to make for sure. But but I've just I don't know. I wonder just as we looked at Jake boxing against Anderson, we're like, damn, he did get better. And you know what I mean? In in like in this silo, he's young, hungry, and tough. Man, that's not a great fight for Nate Diaz at the end of the day. I think Nate's going to look around and go, you know what? I have other ways to make money. I, there's other things I can do in the fight space necessarily than needing to go all in on this or nothing. Um, for all we know, he can end up back in, in – you get news that he re-signed for one fight with the UFC to Trilogy Connor. Who knows? So I think Nate uh, Jake's more likely to go the Tommy Fury road, and then we'll see where we go from there. But um, I'm going to sell on that, Luke, and I, I can't believe – like because. Just, you know, even like the day of the Silva fight, if you would ask me, BC, would you be fired up next for Nate versus Jake? It's like, yeah, damn right I would. Let's see some trash talk. Let's do it. But that fight's not going to be great, right? I think Jake wins it if they do have it. All right, number two, Gervonta Davis versus Ryan Garcia. Now, we don't even know if it's going to happen because, of course, Gervonta has court issues. He has, a, he has a trial in February, and hello, he has to fight in D.C. in January. But let's assume that they actually do make it. It, it actually reaches the finish line. Where are you on it selling a million pay-per-view buys? Okay, I first of all, buy huge that it will happen because don't forget, Ryan Garcia just turned off the idea of a January 28th stay busy fight to, to get ready. So I think we're going to see it. Um, yeah, I think it does more pay-per-view buys than people realize because like this is the fight in boxing that we don't get enough of these because boxing has so many um entities that are opposite each other naturally from a business sense networks promoters and and we tend to see them typically only come together when fighters are older more established their brands have been more built up and there's sort of the storyline want like there was for pay Mackie, uh Mackiao, mayweather pacquiao and also like there is right now for spence uh versus crawford but obviously the spence crawford problem is they're going to be like 35 soon these guys are young enough. They have their own fan bases that are almost separate from boxing because of how much they cross over in pop culture, on social media, have relationships with some big, you know, big stars in the acting, music game, all that stuff. Um, I think this does like uh, the potential for like one five. I mean, dude, one in this wow. era, one million pay-per-view buys in the streaming era is is very impressive. One one million pay-per-view buys in the Mayweather Pacquiao era was very impressive. One and a half in this era when not involving like Floyd and Connor, dude, you know, not involving like a fantasy circus matchup. This is like a rare bird right now. And I think you'll see it and it will do very well. Okay. Number three, BC, what happens with the U I'm just going to call it this, but what happens with the UFC's James Krause problem in 2023? Once and they I don't just mean James Krause. I mean yeah. all of the ways in which it affects the rest of the business. I mean, Dana's finally being honest. I don't know if you saw that sit-down interview he did with Okamoto, where in the past he was sort of like, no, nah, this won't be a big deal. Now he's like, no, this is absolutely potentially, you know, massively dis destructive. That's why we're going to nip it in the bud. They're going to go after whoever they end up finding at the conclusion of the investigation, whether it's, you know, Minner or whether it's Krause or whether those guys really didn't do anything. We don't know yet, Luke, okay? But whoever had any connectivity to this is going to get hammered out shoeless joe jackson style so that nothing ever actually happens again so this will be a big headline that will have long-term things i just think that in some ways maybe it came at the right time and had a big enough name and an established coach and former fighter and kraus where everyone took it seriously enough so that 
this won't happen a year from now involving like a cha active champion who may or may not be suspected of like, you know, fixing a fight. That's when it goes to like, you can't fix it levels. Uh, this may be perfect timing for UFC that it happened at this level. They put in all the sanctioning now. All the eyes are open. The fighters are aware. The coaches are aware. You can F up your entire career in one in one time getting caught in this. Don't touch it. That's what I think plays out with that. Number four, I actually feel like we're going to see some big women's boxing fights in 2023. I think we're due for a Serrano-Taylor rematch. You could do, uh, who is it, Marshall and Shields again. You mm -hmm. could do even uh, Mayer and Bumgarner again, yes. right? Like, there's a bunch of different ways. Now, those are all rematches. They're not organic, fresh, new matchups. But BC, women's boxing had a pretty good year in 2022. Oh, great. I think yeah. that's only going to continue in 2023. What do you think? And when fights like... I mean, here's what we got. Look, I was asked on the Showtime Boxing Podcast with Raskin Mulvaney, um, my guys, like, you know, what was your biggest, biggest moment or biggest headline of 2022 for boxing? Like without even, without even like hesitating, like I had to make sure it was this calendar year and I wasn't just washed and I had the wrong year, but without even hesitating, I'm like Taylor Serrano and what it did for women's boxing, because like it, biggest stakes ever, biggest fight ever. They put it in Madison Square Garden, the main event, and it over delivered. Yeah, so over delivered. Like, you talk, I mean, is that a Rousey versus Carmouche or Serrano versus like cyborg moment equivalent to MMA? No different, but but could be just as impactful from the idea of like girls watching on from home and going, Oh my god, I could do that. Like that could have an impactful thing that goes well beyond that we realize. But the immediate impact to your point is networks and promoters who let's give them credit, last couple of years, more networks and promoters were positioning women in key spots and you know even showtime had a good run with clarissa shields before uh, you know the business relationships changed and put her in big fights on showtime obviously top rank and zone and all that eddie hearn's been big on it too um now that you know a fight like taylor serrano being that great now michaela mayer gets the chance to be in big headlining bouts yeah you're gonna see a, an aggressive matchmaking because people are realizing that the product at that at the elite level is very good the problem that women's boxing will have and always has in cycles is that depth depth is a problem and let's give mma credit not in every division but mma since coming on the scene has been able to consistently rebuild the depth and get new young fighters that are better than ever before there that there may be a a stretch of that in women's boxing but if there is it's going to be based on what happened in madison square garden that night because it has that big of a ripple effect so give me that rematch and you're right luke give me some big ones here let's do it all right last but not least bc and you kind of indicated it before when we talked about it with fedor but bellator going to cbs i mean here's the thing like obviously we work for showtime and bellator being on showtime is is obviously great for for both parties but it is behind a paywall right there is something that could dissuade people from catching it from a wider, broader audience. It's not unfair to say that CBS has a much broader audience. Hello, it's CBS, the channel, of course. So Bellator being on CBS is great. And, you know, I'm told that if things go well with Fedor, there could be on CBS multiple times a year. Now, nothing of that is written in stone. None of that is guaranteed. A lot of this depends on the performance. But that's what sort of makes me sort of curious about it all. Like, don't get me wrong. Bellator being on CBS is great. It's great for Bellator. I think it's great for CBS. They wouldn't be doing it if they didn't think they were going to win on it. But it's not as, how do I say this, like earth-shattering as it was when Strikeforce was on CBS the first time. Yeah. To your point, they've been on Fox. UFC's been on Fox. They've been on ABC. So it's a huge deal, and it's a big question about what could happen here. But BC, if Bellator does well with Fedor on CBS, and they have multiple shows a year on CBS... I mean, that is, you know, listen, the UFC has only grown in profile in the ESPN era. I think some of these other promotions, your ones and your PFLs and whoever, 
like a shot in the arm from CBS to Bellator, it's not going to completely alter the landscape of the business, but definitely, definitely, definitely could re reestablish them as a number two. I mean, there's no better flick through content <clears throat> than elite combat sports. Now, in the streaming era, are people actually doing that anymore? Are they going channel by channel and just whatever comes? Oh, that looks interesting. I don't know. I get, you know, I mean, not everybody has all the technology and apps that we do. Luke, I'm sure there's a lot of America that does it old school. But oh, by the way, CBS also the most most watched network in America. So this is a great gamble. But to be fair, we don't know what this the post streaming era is going to do to the numbers here. Right. But even comparative, not. I, but you can't ultimately compare these numbers to what. Kimbo and Bell, you know, and Strike Force did with Fedor not, back no. in the day. But for what's expected today, it may just be the perfect storm that that's why I think Fedor might reconsider. And that's why, you know, we've talked about that after AJ McKee first beat Patricio the first meeting. It's like, damn, that's the guy to put on CBS if you want to, like, you know, get people excited that there's this next big thing. Now, look, he lost, but he's coming back, all that. But there are, you know, but let's give Scott Coker credit, Luke. He does play the hits, he does know what works. And the, the Grand Prix with the legit $1 million prize on top are, are, are fun as heck. And this is an old Scott Coker playbook move, but there's no reason why this isn't a classic move that could still work. So I'm just as interested as a fan as I am as a, you know, CBS Paramount employee to see if this, if this can hit, if this can really be something. So I'm excited. I'm excited. So Luke, my five angles to watch. You ready for this? I want your reaction. All right, let's do it. Okay. Number one, Luke. Seriously here, if Mahachev becomes the UFC pound-for-pound pound king and Usman Nurmagomedov becomes the Bellator potentially pound-for-pound pound king and uh, who's the other Nurmagomedov? Umar, that's, you know, could be in the top five by the end of the year in his weight class. Habib Nurmagomedov has got a great shot to be your 2023 MMA coach of the year. I can't really disagree with that, especially if those things come to fruition. If Usman wins the 155 Grand Prix in Bellator, if, if Makachev beats... Um, Volkanovsky in Perth and then defends it against, you know, whoever. Um, and then to your point about the rest of Umar and do that, that whole, that whole crew is just nothing but winners. They've been training hard their whole lives. They now have a very elite. I think what folks really misunderstand is yes, these guys have been training hard for a long time and they've got good coaches, but they, it seems to me, you see the thing that's lost is, and every, every elite gym has a good system, but Nurmagomedov and that whole team, they have great systems in place, both for camps, for long range training, like what are we going to do over the next year? Everything is planned. Everything is hard nosed. Everything is meticulous. And the results speak for themselves. Dude, Habib is on the precipice of not just being the greatest lightweight of ever, which of course is something of a debate and ongoing, but you know, probably is, but coach of the year, but one of the best coaches we've seen, he really is leaning to this hardcore and the results are not accidental at all. And, and, and no one's forgetting that, you know, he's taken, the, the, the reins from his father, Abdul Banap, the late uh, trainer, and you know, who's an institution in Dagestan and, and being such a great coach and teaching this discipline. And obviously Javier Mendez as well on the team at AKA, but Fedor is going to be the face of this moving forward. And when you talk to people on the inside, as we do, the all the Fedor, all the Habib stories, did I say Fedor? All the Habib stories are amazing, Luke, because um, the intensity, the dedication, the commitment to de tiny details. I mean, you know, yeah, he, he, like, dude, the guy's the guy's wild, wildly successful in this space, Luke. It's incredible. Number two angle to watch. I'm not predicting this. I don't necessarily, you know, I don't want Dana White to lose money here, but I just have this weird feeling that the Dana White slapdick league is going to be slapdick league is going to be over before it starts, Luke. Meaning, you know, maybe we get a couple episodes out of it. 
but I, I just, dude, it's to me, it's just such a bad look with somebody like, like you would never see the NFL commissioner put out a dicey message as it pertains to like CTE and head trauma, which is one of the biggest things that the NFL builds, like changes its rules to try to protect, which is junior sale like incidents. You know what I mean? And taking great care of the fighters long or the, 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 you know, the football players long term. like yet Dana White on the flip side, who would, you know, be best advised and typically is to not talk about head trauma and all that, unless they're saying, well, we have, you know, PI plans where you can get, you know, all that doctor and healthcare and all that. That's that's what you should be talking about. Yeah, you're putting out this product that is being promoted with the power engine that is the UFC that is just no defense and is completely opposite to that. Um, is it going to be an injury? Is it going to be that nobody cares? Or is it just going to come across in bad taste? Either way, Luke, I mean, you remember when Dana White put out that boxing reality series? I watched the first episode. I thought it was cool and good. And then it fell off the network because nobody watched it and it was gone. Um, I just have a feeling like this will be the, like we used to say about Vince McMahon, this will be the XFL on his legacy. You know, this will be that one albatross, like, you know, like yeah. this feels like out there. I mean, Zufa boxing was too, Luke, to be fair, but this feels like Zufa boxing all over again, doesn't it? I mean, the whole thing is just so ridiculous. And on top of it, like how they're trying to use the UFC's architecture. I mean, quite literally the architecture of the apex. That's where a lot of this happens. And also like the way in which they have teams and there's like a, like a, 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 a what do they call them? Slappers. They're not fighters, a slapper house and the, and the yeah, uniforms tough. that they have, like they've yeah, borrowed, what... they've borrowed every element and then just repackaged it for this. And on top of it, like they're leaning heavily and expecting MMA fans and to an extent, even MMA media to just sort of go along with it, like by inundating us with this messaging. My, um, the, my understanding is it's an eight episode deal that they have with TBS starting in January. I think it probably runs through eight episodes and then that's it. That's it. They call it a day. Yeah. I, I don't see this becoming a phenomenon. And I think it's just a bad look for the company. Uh, number three, Luke, I mentioned about Fedor might not being done. Obviously, like he's got a puncher's chance against Bader and all this, but be prepared for this angle. If Fedor knocks out Ryan Bader on CBS and in theory retires in the moment as the Bellator heavyweight champion and, you know, avenging a loss by knockout as the cherry on top, dude, he's going to hit MMA fans, especially old ones or ones being brought back in directly in the field spot. This is Randy versus Sylvia or even Ngannou versus Gon, like on steroids, Luke. What is he, 45? I mean, this would be wild. Yeah, I mean, given the response that we saw in the Timothy Johnson fight and how happy people were, and granted that was in Russia, which of course had a different kind of sensibility about everything, but to your point, if he goes in there and then floors Bader, who by the way has not looked great of recent, um, and claims the title and then crowns his career that way, dude, it would be massive, massive in the fields. Massive for like also restoring Fedor's reputation a little bit, which you know yeah. he's fighting well past the point where he probably should. I completely agree. Number four, Luke, we've hit this ad nauseum so we can do it quick, but the more I keep talking about this scenario and this statement, it might actually be true. Jamaran boots on this, the unbeaten welterweight who comes back January 7th on Showtime pay-per-view. Like he actually might be the best fighter in the world right now. Only like no one would call him that because he hasn't proven it and it's so right. early and he's trying so hard to get big time names, but every step up, I mean, he's, it's not just demolishing. We've seen people, I mean, look at Edgar Berlengo was knocking everybody out in the first round. People can demolish people, but it's, it's the way he sets it up. It's everything that makes him so next level dynamic. He's a video game fighter who's come to life as a 23, 24 year old on the verge of the title level. Luke, you we've gushed about him ad nauseum, but it's for a reason. I don't know if he could be the fighter of the year next year. If he ends up getting the big enough names to do it either way, he will use 2023 as a way to 
invade boxing because he's coming on and, and you, you can't get in the way of it at this point. Yeah, he's going to become a lot of people's favorite fighter by the end of next year. To your point, the only thing that can hold him back, and by the way, he's co-main event on that uh, Tank Davis and Hector Garcia fight in D.C. or the Pay the Showtime pay-per-view. So you'll get to see Boots Ennis in the co-main event role. But the only issue holding him back is can he get the fights he needs? That I don't know. But whoever they line up in front of him, they're in trouble. Well, he'll become the mandatory for Spence in one belt. I think he already is in another alphabet organ. Like yeah, get he already somebody. is in IBF. Okay, what if he, so he's fighting Karen Chikadzian in January. If he, if he wins that, could he fight Staniosis or Ugas fights that I think we would like? Or could he fight Spence or Crawford if they don't no. fight each other? Or I Spence, mean, Spence and Crawford aren't going to fight him, but 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 Ugas or somebody else, like a just a tick down, I think they will. All right, number five angle to watch for the new year is this, Luke. The Really, the only bad thing you can say about the UFC this year is, you know, we didn't get Connor or John Jones, so some of those big-ticket crossover event-type pay-per-views just didn't happen. Instead, you got great fights and big upsets. But it is time for the UFC's next era of pay-per-view stars to stand up and, and prove it. So that could be established guys already, like Volkanovsky and even Adesanya, who have a certain platform but haven't raised it. Either way, Luke... We are somewhat dependent right now on, on, on old names, which isn't, you know, it happens in transitional phases. But right now, when you look like who could headline a pay-per-view that like mainstream sports fans would care about, I think the, that list is small and dependent upon age and injury and comeback more than it is on fights we could make next. Are you looking at anybody that may end up using this calendar year of doing just that, putting themselves in a position to be like a pay-per-view draw? Um, well, that's a uh, hard for me to answer that one quickly. Um, um, uh, I have to think about that one for a second. Um, man, I wonder if no, because Cejudo's been out for a while, so no, Volkanovsky maybe, but I still don't know about that. 155, it's kind of hard to say. Makachev, yeah, you know what? Makachev, honestly, with that Habib rub, if he just keeps yeah. on, if he beats Volkanovsky and he has like a big name opponent, they end up finding a way to get him Connor or something. Yeah, like he could actually turn it, even though he's not as dynamic as Habib. I'm not saying the same level in terms of like what he could do. Because he know, literally has Habib standing next to him. Like literally. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, like there's, you know, there's, there's so much wind at his back and he's got so much ability. The combined two forces, it, it, it might be big for him next year. It really might. I mean, Hamzat could be that guy, right? Because he Hamzat, has the, he has the attitude of of like a pay per view headliner, either villain or you think he's a badass. I mean, he could be that guy. So we'll see. And then don't forget, dude. I, I said it before in our predictions for welterweight. Shavkat Rachmanov, man, he's much more quiet, and he doesn't have the same kind of you know bulldog on a chain kind of uh, uh, way of looking at like a Hamzat Chemaev. But I'm telling you, man, that dude is going to be an assassin, and I think that's going to start playing off on his. Aura, so to speak. Pay-per-view star, I don't know, but, you know, yeah, big I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Hell, wait, to finally, to close here, if there's ever any female fighters, like Rondo, pay-per-view star, Holly Holm and Misha Tate, like, you know, they needed to be B-sides, but they're stars. Amanda and Valentina have, you know, in different ways have crossed over, but never, never in a high level. Is there any female fighters that have that long-term potential that maybe we don't even realize right now? Not Kayla? for 2023, no. but you got no. with these young ones, the Barbers, the, the Mavericks, the Blanchfields, and some other ones as well. I think long-term, yes, but for 2023, too soon. 
Yeah. Too soon. Yeah. There it is, Luke. I got nothing left to give the people. All right. Well, then that's it for us today. So thumbs up on the video if you are if you haven't done it yet. Please subscribe. Once again, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, however you celebrate or not. Don't drink and drive. Don't text and drive. Be good to each other. Be safe. BC, any final message for the audience before we go? Um, we, we love you, folks. Not that, that that doesn't necessarily mean Luke wants to shake all of your hands or, you know, welcome you onto our show or really any further into our lives beyond you clicking play on that video. But even in that Grinch's heart, he knows we're here because of I mean, you. The, none of those things are true. I shook everyone's hand in Las Vegas. Yeah, actually, you're pretty awesome. yeah. What, what, what you should yeah. say is the producers may not want uh, us shaking everyone's hands, but That's old, LT, old LT is old reliable when it comes to that. Yeah, yeah. No, you're a stand-up guy in person. I'm more of the slimy weasel. No, uh, but no, thank you. <laughs> thank you, folks. I mean, I so I had this moment, Luke, just real quick to close the holiday season. Yes, please. I'd, we have a whole other thing to do here. I had this moment of taking the train back from uh, when we were in uh, Jersey City most recently and really doing one of those like, yo, this is our fucking job, man. You know what I mean? Like, this is our job. Like, this is this isn't even like community theater. This is like getting drunk and doing skits, you know, to make fun of your friends. And we do this for a living. And it's like, you know, thank you people out there legitimately for allowing us to play our passions out. What's your passion, BC? Dick jokes. So thank you for that. No, seriously, though, but you get my point. Look, you do yeah. once in a while have to pinch yourself, whether us in this job or the people watching at home, when you come home and you have a happy, healthy family and you got great animals and, you know, and you're just like, you know, life is good. Life is always going to be challenging. There's ups and downs, but, you know, stop and take a look around once in a while, as Ferris Bueller said, um, we only get one of them and it doesn't last forever. Um, you know, so I I'm very happy, Luke. I'm a very happy man. There you have it. All right. For the crews at Malka and Showtime and CBS Sports, that's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. Happy holidays to you. Have Merry, or I should say Happy New Year as well. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. Until then, may all of your gains be loyal.